Good morning. Thank you, Rob, for preaching my sermon. <laughs> what else can I talk about? Um, no. Um, thank you. That was so cool. Um, we didn't meet in advance, but uh, it sounded like, I don't know, God was kind of leading our hearts in the same place there. So um, that's cool. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Hi. Good morning. Uh, reroute. <laughs> so we're in this series called Back to the Basics. And if you uh, already realized by last week, basic doesn't mean that we basically do it all the time. Right. Basic doesn't mean that it is a basic part of who we are and how we operate. Clearly, because we kicked off with our uh, basic understanding of our need to share the gospel. And I don't know about you, but I am on um, what my guess is a pretty long list of people who constantly find myself not pressing into the situations that I should press into, whether it be with my neighbors or people at the coffee shop or uh, people in my family or people who uh, I'm close to, opportunities that I have to share the truth of the gospel. It's basic to who I am. It's the very last thing that Jesus said before he headed up into heaven was calling us to share this gospel, and yet it's so often not a basic part of who I am. It's interesting that this week uh, we are talking about uh, the question, why we love the church. Why we love the church. Um, Because it's been kind of an interesting week, right? Kind of an interesting week. What do we do with these? What does it mean to love the church right now? What does it mean to love within this community? Um, Interesting times that we find ourselves in. And uh, I think it's so important now more than ever that we take some time to really get back to the basics of not why we love the church. Because let's be honest, we don't always love the church for the reasons that we should love the church. Sometimes we love it for other reasons, other lesser reasons. So we need to get back to the basics of why we actually are supposed to love the church. And uh, by saying that, I don't mean Harbor Shores Church. That would be a short sermon. That's very obvious why we all love Harbor Shores Church. It's Laura Schultz. (laughs) Right? I mean, thank you. (laughs) Rob, the one time you're supposed to say amen. I mean, if if you don't love Laura Schultz, you can leave right now. It's really, that's where I'm at. Uh, No, she's wonderful. Uh, I'm not talking specifically of Harbor Shores Church, though. I'm talking about why believers, why people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who are now following Jesus with their lives, brought into the family of God, a part of his church, why believers love the church or why we should love the church. So whether you are a visitor today and you don't call Harbor Shores your home uh, or you do, whether you are online tuning in for the first time or you are a regular attender who is still at home, wherever you are, wherever you call home, this applies to us if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Why should we love the church? There's probably a lot of reasons. I came up with three because when you're doing a sermon outline, three is a good place to start. So we'll take a look at three biggies. But uh, before we do, let's go before the Lord in a word of prayer. God, before I even begin to approach your word on this subject, I I confess. 
uh, that I don't love your church as I should. Uh, that I don't... Um, that I don't love the people, that I don't uh, walk in my identity, that I don't uh, press into the body in the way that you've called me to so often, that a lot of times I put uh, my own point of view, my own values, my own opinions, my own feelings, my own desires um, ahead of my brother and sister. And uh, that is not the person you've called me to be. I confess that to you and I ask for your forgiveness. I just pray that as we gather today to look at the church that you've made us a part of and what you've called us into, God, open our eyes to what we should truly love about your church, about being your church. Help us to see the things that we love that are lesser. Help us to see the way in which the things that we love don't measure up to the things that we should. And help us to celebrate, God, all that you've given us to love here in this body, here as a part of your church around the world. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. So point number one, we'll just get right to it. We'll get right to it. For those of you who love your outlines, get those pens out. Let's get cracking. Point number one, one reason why we love the church, it's where we're reminded of our true identity. This is where we are reminded of our true identity. When we gather at the church, whether you gather in somebody's living room, whether you are in a persecuted place and you have to hide out in somebody's basement, whether you meet at Harbor Shores or you are meeting online, when we gather as the church, when we are the church together, it is where we are reminded of our true identity. Speaking to believers in the church in Ephesus regarding their new identity in Christ, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Uh, This is a topical sermon. We're not going to be hanging out in just Joshua 23 today. We're going to be bouncing around, so we're going to have the scriptures up here. Feel free to follow along with me, or if you would like a thumb workout, you go right ahead, and we'll do it that way as well. So let's go Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And Paul says... He predestined us for adoptions to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And so we see here that our new identity that we've been given once we become followers of Jesus Christ is rooted in Christ, is rooted in the work that he has done for us. In him, we have the forgiveness of our sins. In him, we have been adopted into God's family. In him, we have been given a new identity as his sons, as his daughters. And when we gather together as brothers and sisters... And what was our old identity? What did we have in of ourselves? Right? Romans, Romans 6 tells us that in of ourselves, we were slaves to sin. We were dead in our sin. Romans 3 tells us that our sin made us dead to the things of God. And Romans 1.18 tells us that we were by nature of who we were as sinners in the crosshairs of God's wrath. That was our identity. 
And now Ephesians 1, 5 through 7 says, In Jesus Christ, in His work on the cross, when we place our faith in what He did for us, when God opens our eyes by His grace, we are given a new identity. We are adopted into His family. We are no longer slaves to sin, dead in our sin, in the crosshairs of God's wrath, but instead we are sons and daughters of the one true God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is our identity. And when we gather together and we come underneath the authority of God's word, when we sing these songs and worship his name for who he is and what he has done, when we gather together as believers and our speech is one that builds up, and reflects his love, we are reminded of our identity. We are reminded of our true identity. Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, and he says this in light of our new identity as believers. So then, you are no longer slaves and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we are family. We are brothers and sisters. That's pretty cool. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone and him whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So again, Paul calls us back to the reality that when we gather together, we are now brought into God's family as brothers and sisters. And when we come underneath that foundation of the prophets and the apostles in Jesus, what we would call today the word of God. When we come underneath that authority, we are reminded that our citizenship is not outside these doors, but already guaranteed for us in heaven and that we are family, not in this world but in the one to come that far supersedes this world. We have been given an identity that is not of an earthly nature. And that makes the identity that we have been given as believers greater than anything we could identify with outside of these doors because it is rooted in the past, present, and future work of Jesus Christ. That is where our identity rests. Of this identity... We read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-10. through 10. But you are, speaking to believers, you are a royal, or I'm sorry, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. Hallelujah. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Brothers and sisters, there are no shortage of things in our world that are presented as possible identities to us the moment we walk outside of these doors. The job that you have and the employer that you work for, the candidate that you support and the party that you vote for, uh, what you hashtag and the issues that you stand up for, the result of the endless slew of opportunities to identify yourself with this and that of this world creates a noise. A noise that is made by our enemy to cover the reality of our greatest identity, of our only one true identity that is rooted in Christ. And when we forget our identity, it impacts our community. 
When we forget what truly binds us, when we forget the blood that saved us, when we forget the very thing that gave us a reason to gather here today, and we make the main thing a lesser thing, that's a problem. That is a problem. And that leads to the very things that we read over and over again in Scripture to avoid, which is controversies, which is rivalries, which are things that cause division, which are things that don't bring about unity. That's a problem in God's family. He doesn't want that. But when we take our eyes off of what unites us, off of what brought us together here to begin with, we're going to do just that. And so we see that our identity that we are reminded of when we come here, when we worship, when we find ourselves in the word of God, when we worship together, that thing that brings us together, that thing that shuts up the noise out there of lesser things and brings us into a greater reality that goes beyond this world, that is something that impacts point number two. Because flowing from our identity as the church, we find point number two, which is it's where we experience true community. We love that about the church, don't we? We experience true community here. It's beautiful when we remember who we are and why we're here, who God is and what he did to bring us here. But brothers and sisters, that impacts more than just our individual relationship with him. It impacts our community with one another. Take a look with me at Acts chapter 2. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of this thing. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Here we just had this amazing sermon at Pentecost that Peter preaches in the power of the Holy Spirit and we have groves of people coming to Jesus and getting baptized. Now what? Now what do we do? We're all here. What should we do? This is what we do. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That's a different sermon for a different day. And thanks for whoever left. Uh, and all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love this picture of the early church. I love this picture. Before, <laughs> before budgets and bulletins and building maintenance and all of this fun stuff, what did we have? We had a group of people. We had a group of people redeemed by the blood of Jesus who gathered together for what? For the apostles' teaching. Again, what we would call the Word of God, coming underneath the authority of Scripture. Fellowship with believers, what we would call fellowship with believers. There's no change. See, it's the same. You can laugh. It's fine. It wasn't even a funny joke. Why would you laugh? My 
goodness. Uh, the breaking of bread, what we would call communion, right? Remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. When they gathered together, they would remember. They would take the body. They would take the blood. They would, again, bring themselves back under the reality of the gospel. They would bring themselves back under their true identity of why they are there to begin with. And then the last thing is prayer. They would bring themselves together under prayer. And 44 through 45 reveal that these things, when they made them their focus, somehow their eyes were turned from themselves to the people who were around them. And all of a sudden we have this really weird picture, especially weird to me, I don't know about you, but this weird picture of this people who are willing to sell what they have to give to their brothers and sisters who have need. So Rob's only car that Rob takes to work breaks down and I've got two or three cars sitting at home. I'm going to sell one of my cars so that Rob can get to work. What? That's weird. Feels weird. Like, get another job, Rob. I don't know what to tell you, right? Be an American. Come on, what's your problem? Rob, you work from home, right? That's good. Because <laughs> what I want to do is make sure that I'm not creating a I'll never go to Africa scenario where all of a sudden Rob calls me this week and says, Hey, remember that sermon? You said, Oh, my car broke down and you've got two, right? Can you settle for one? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Anyway, glad you work from home. No, the point is, the point is, again, when we make our focus, when we come together, the Word of God, when we make our focus, the Gospel, why we are here to begin with, when we make our focus, being together in the love that we have been given through Christ, when we make our focus bringing ourselves under the authority of God in prayer and humbling ourselves before Him, it does something to our focus. It does something to our focus. It takes our eyes off of ourselves, off of our rights, off of our opinions, off of whatever we think things should be like here, off of what I think about the songs, or what I think about what this person's wearing, or what I think about the general look of the sanctuary, or what I think about... It takes it off of me and it puts it in its rightful place, which is on loving my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we see a radical form of love as a result, stemming from their commitment to the things that matter most. Their identity that was firmly rooted in the reality of the gospel impacted their fellowship, impacted their community in such a way that it looked radically different from even the community I think we see a lot of times today. Once again, there are no shortages of places you can find a certain type of community here on earth. If you'd like you some guns, you can join the NRA. If you're a mom who has preschoolers, you can join MOPs. If you like golf, join one of the many golf clubs that you can afford. If you like to read, join a book club. If you like to act, join the Attic Theater. It's a great place to be. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I knew I'd get something on that. That's great. Needless to say, when you walk outside of these doors, there are plenty of faux communities that are offering you some form of the greatest community that we have here. And why are these lesser forms of community? It's not because uh, it's bad to be an attic theater or it's bad to join a book club or anything like that. That's not the point. 
The point is that our identity in Christ, who we are as believers, is our greatest identity. It is the thing that defines us. And all other things flow out of that. And so, what I do in my spare time, what I do on my weekends, my hobbies, my passions, flow out of the greatest reality that I am a sinner saved by grace. And that my identity is firmly rooted in Jesus. And that my life is lived in light of who He is as my Savior and my Lord. That I bring all things before Him. And that the way in which He loves me compels me to love other people differently. That is a foundation. That is why we love the church. Because you don't find that anywhere else. Because anywhere else that you go, it's based on what? What you like. How much money that you make. Things that you agree on. Political views. All of these things can change like that. And what happens when you go into this other form of community based upon lesser things with a differing opinion? Or a different passion? a different point of view, you are going to see those communities crumble around you like that. And yet the church is made to be different because it is made through the body and blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that He made for us. And His example is our example. The way He loved us is the way that we love one another. Ladies and gentlemen, our fellowship as believers, our community as believers is on a solid rock. These other lesser forms of community cannot take friction, cannot take differing points of view. And yet we have full chapters in God's word dedicated to how we walk through the gray together. How we walk through differing opinions. How we walk through somebody who's on this side of the scale and someone who's on this side of the scale and whatever argument. And we are called to be united. To love one another. To prefer one another. To live with one another in an understanding way. Exactly what Rob read for us and stole from me. (laughs) I love you for it, brother. Guys, this is the basis of our community. It's, it's why we love the church. It's because here we find a form of community we can't find anywhere else because it's not rooted in us. It's rooted outside of us. It's rooted in our Savior. That means that our form of community can take a punch in the jaw. It means that when something comes up, and I mean, it could be anything, right? It could be anything that we don't agree on. It could be anything. I mean, I don't have to give a specific example. It could literally just be anything that we don't agree on that isn't specific in Scripture. That isn't a sin black and white issue. It could be anything that we disagree on. We have been given the means to rise above it because the means to rise above it is outside of us. It's when we focus on Him. It's when we focus on who He is and what He did for us and how He loves us. That's how we make our way through the murky waters. That's when what divides us actually brings us closer together and makes this union stronger despite the best efforts of our enemy who actually isn't flesh and blood. Right? It's not flesh and blood. But we do have a deceiver. We do have someone who is trying to divide. We do have one who is trying to make the body weaker by fractioning it out. But guess what? That doesn't have to be the case. Because of our identity that flows into our community. Because of how we were loved that flows into the way that we love one another. That's a beautiful thing. 
And it's why we love the church. So we love the church because it reminds us of our identity. It's where we find true community. And point number three, it's where we live out our true purpose. Think about these things. Identity, community, purpose. Sound familiar? It's what you hear out there all day long. Come. Join our group. You can have identity. You can identify with this POV. You can identify with this way of doing things. And then you can find community with all these people. And you know what? We have a mission and we have a purpose and we have all these things that you can do. Guys, God knows how he wired us. So does our enemy. Except what God gave us is not a counterfeit. It isn't a lesser thing. Instead, he gave us an identity, a community, and a purpose that flows from it that is greater than anything we can find out there. Because again, it rests in him. Let's take a look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I know Stephen covered this a little bit last week. Um, If anybody has access to a bottle of water, I wouldn't fight you on it. I really wouldn't. I don't even care if you drank out of it. I just, you love me in ways you don't even know. Thank you, Raymond. I appreciate it. Give Ray a hand. Come on. He just saved the whole sermon. He doesn't even realize it. I was just going to close in prayer. I'm struggling. (laughs) Thanks, Ray. Last week, Stephen reminded us of our call um, of one of our purposes within the church. And what is that? It's a purpose that is outside of the church, right? It's a purpose for us to go, to go and be, to go and share, to go and take the saving hope of the gospel that we have been saved with to a lost and dying world. And we see this in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is, this is such a huge part of what our purpose is as believers. We can't deny it. It's basic to who we are. None of us can fight this when we look at the pages of Scripture that believers are called to take the hope that nobody else will. What other group, what other community, what other people group out there is going to take the hope of the gospel to the world who is lost and dying in their sins? Nobody. It's the church, right? And so we know that that's a part, that that is an integral part of our purpose, but it's not our only purpose as believers. It's not. It's half the story. No doubt we are called to take the saving message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We cannot deny that. But that's only part of the purpose. Close to 50 times in the New Testament, close to 50 times in the New Testament, we see what kind of verses? Anybody know? One what? Oh, Rob, you're on fire today. Did you write the sermon? Bro, I'm just preaching your words after you. This is ridiculous. No, that's what happens when you're reading the same book. A lot of times it intersects, right? 50 times you see one another passages that are things that we do towards for, for the sake of one another, right? 
And so as we look at the church unfolding before our very eyes, yeah, it started in a really good place in Acts chapter 2, right? I mean, we are just fresh off of some baptisms. We're coming out of the water dripping wet, and it's like, let's read the Word. Let's pray. Let's do some communion. Come on. we got some good fellowship happening here. And then, people, right? <laughs> and then we have the book of 1 Corinthians. What happened? Right? We have the church in Rome who literally is just like half the people sitting on one half of the church, half the people sitting on the other. I don't like you. You're Jewish. I don't like you. You're non-Jewish. What happened here? All of a sudden, the church is getting a little crazy. And that is why over and over and over again, we see over 50 times some of the things we are called to do. We are called to love one another. First John chapter 4. We are called to be kind and forgive one another. Ephesians 4. We're called to encourage one another in our pursuit of Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're called to serve one another. Galatians 5. We're called to bear one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6. We're called to admonish one another when we're in sin. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We saw already in Romans that we're called to live with one another in an understanding way. It's said again in Romans chapter 15 after an entire chapter in Romans chapter 14 that deals with disagreements on gray areas. Disagreements where one person says, I feel this way about it. I feel another. Cool. We're still family. Work it out. And so we have these one another sprinkled throughout calling us to love one another in a way that reflects the love of Jesus. And it makes sense because as we see in John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people, by this, by this, by our love for one another, by loving people with the love of Jesus, by loving my brother and sister the way that Christ loved me, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. That's crazy when you think about it. Because we put so much emphasis on, on going out and sharing the gospel, and yet if the love that we share up there is disconnect. It does not compute with the love that's going on in here. It impacts our witness. Because whether or not they've seen this or they walk into it afterwards, once they've heard what you have to say and they see what's being reflected, they're gonna, the, world, the world's going to look at that and be like, wait, I don't think I'm buying this. Look at all this division. Look at all this strife. Look at all this awkward tension. This doesn't really reflect something life-changing or life-giving. And so Jesus says, part of our mission, a huge part of our mission starts right here within the walls. Before you ever step outside into your communities, how are you loving your community? Before you ever take the gospel into a lost and dying world, which we are called to do, How are you loving the people in the pew next to you? How are you loving the people that God has placed around you in your community? 
God has given us such an amazing purpose. He has given us a purpose of an eternal magnitude. To both take the gospel and live out the reality of the gospel right here and out there. That's amazing. What we have been called to as believers is enough to get you out of bed in the morning. And so we see we have some real reasons to love the church. Because in it we find identity as God's children and as brothers and sisters in Christ. An identity that isn't rooted in us, that isn't rooted in our works, because we would boast. It isn't rooted in anything that we have done for Him, but in everything that He has done for us. There is not a single person in this room today or watching online that has earned your spot at the table. Everything that we have, everything that we are as believers is a gift from God. Even the fact that you have faith is rooted in a reality that when you were spiritually dead, Romans 3, when your wanter for God was broke, you had no way to want Him. All you wanted was evil. All you wanted was sin. All you wanted was your own way. The Holy Spirit came. Oh, there it is. Wanter. I do that for my students. We talk about that upstairs. You guys don't laugh at it as much as they do. You're a tough crowd. Anyway. But that is the Romans 3 reality. We are dead in our sins and He makes us alive in Christ. So the very faith that you have, even if you could say, well, yeah, I believe, so I belong here. You believe because He first sought you. He came to you. He died for you. He chose you before the foundations of the world. Go and read Ephesians 1. We read a piece of it. Go and read the whole of Ephesians 1. See what your God did for you. We don't belong here. But He brought us into here, into His family. He called us His child. And because of that, we have community. Community that isn't rooted in you. Community that isn't rooted in me. Community that isn't defined by you or defined by me. But community that rests in Him and His work and what He did and what He is doing. We gather in that spirit. We worship together in that spirit. We learn together in that spirit. We grow together in that spirit. And every time we place our eyes back on the gospel, we find the root of our community. Rooted in our identity. And from that, from that, we have our purpose. Birthed out of his love for us. He says to us, love one another as I have loved you. Rooted in the love He has for us, He says, I love those people out there. Take my message to them. They need it. He gives us identity. He gives us community. He gives us purpose. These are three amazing reasons of why we should love the church. But it isn't always the reason why we do love the church, is it? Sadly, the reasons why we should love the church... sometimes fall to the wayside in response to lesser things. Things that don't matter as much. And as I said from the start, I'm guilty of this more than anybody. 
And it's very easy to do. Because as we gather together, it's very easy for us to put our eyes on lesser things. It's easy for us to, um, to, to come in and love the worship style and the song selection. Man, that is one of the things that I love about the church. The only problem is that you're around for any amount of time. That's going to change. It's just going to. I'm sorry. And so if you love the church for the music, sit tight. You're going to hate it soon. And if you love the church because of the preacher and he's just so great and what a good godly man, he's probably going to get another job soon if he's that good. Sorry, this church ain't that big. And if he's that good, he gone. And if you love the church because the area that you're serving in is just so rich and rewarding, you just love your kindergartners so much, they're going to grow up and you're going to get a batch you just can't stand. Or sweet Laura Schultz, who we all love, she's the reason why we love this church, remember, she's going to come up to you and say, hey, I know that you've been serving here, but our needs have changed. Can you please come serve in this other area that you care less about? that you don't feel is fulfilled by, that doesn't scratch you right where you itch. These things happen, right? Or, mm, the people, right? The people. Oh, I just have the best friends ever. We just, we went to college together. My roommate goes here. I mean, just my neighbors, my friends. I just have the greatest community. What, where are you going? Where are you? you you got a job in Atlanta. Who works in Atlanta? What? Oh, man. Okay. Well, that's, that's okay. I mean, what? You're moving? Why, 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 would you, why would you move? Yeah, that is a good price for your house. So it's a little far of a drive. Okay. No, that's, that's cool. I'll see you. Where are you going now? And all of a sudden, this community that we love, that, oh, this is why I love the church. It's where my friends are. All of a sudden, you look around. My friends aren't here. I don't love the church anymore. Or your friends stick around. <laughs> And don't we remember what happened in Corinth and and in the church in Rome? What happens when people stick around? Well, people just do what people do, don't they? And all of a sudden, these people that you loved and this community that you have, you can't stand because there's still sin. And now they're sinning against you and you can't get rid of them because they won't move or take that stupid job in Atlanta that you've been praying that they would take. And so now you have this community that you have to deal with. Now what? There are some things that we should love about the church and then there is everything else. And when we misinterpret what we have been given by God to love about His church, that's our very first step in misrepresenting what it means to be the church. When we misinterpret what we have been given by God to love about His church, we take our first step in misrepresenting what it means to be the church. Because I can be the most selfish person in this room, I guarantee. I can walk out of here and have the first thing on my mind be the song I didn't like. 
Or, ah, I didn't like how we did announcements today. Or, ah, the kids weren't even, like, awake during Sunday school. And, ah, and nobody came up to me and asked me how my week was. And, you know, and nobody even cares that I was here. Like, nobody stopped me in the hall to say hi to me. And, and, and me, me, me. I can do that. I do it often. And when we are that kind of church, we become a poor reflection. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you're like, yep, yep, I ain't no Christ follower, but I've been a part of that church. I've walked into that room and I've seen those people and I've walked in and I've felt judged or I've, I've just felt like, man, I don't belong here because I'm not a part of your club and I don't belong here at all. And these people and their opinions and they care more about their political views than they do about the Lord and Savior that they apparently serve. I'm out. I'm not buying it. If that's you, I get it. But what I would say to you if you're here or if you're watching at home is don't let the failings of God's people keep you from placing your faith in a Savior who loves you and died for you and reflects that perfectly in what He did for you and also what He says in His Word. We fall short. That's why we need grace, right? We don't walk in our identity all the time. We don't live in light of it. We don't, we don't perfectly press into community with an other's first mindset as we are called to all the time, right? We don't perfectly live out our purpose of the one another's in this place or going out and sharing the truth with others in the way that we should. And it should cause our hearts to break because of the great love that God had for us, has for us in Christ Jesus. And yet the beautiful thing about His grace is it is real for you if you have never placed your faith in the saving work of Jesus as it is for me as someone who has and still falls short. And so if you are in a place where you are judging your Creator and you are judging your Savior based on the works of His people, remove that barrier right now. I get it. I'm awful. I am awful, coated awful with awful filling. And if you bite into me, it ain't going to taste good. And if you live around me long enough, you're going to realize just how awful I am because I will just awful all over you. And yet, as we keep our eyes on what is true, on our identity, and say, God, in light of who you are, help me to love Help me to love here. Help me to go there. Guys, we take steps in the power of the Holy Spirit to live out the realities that we have been called to walk in light of. And there's grace. There's grace. And so please, if you have never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have never confessed your sins to the one who died for them, And if you have never believed in him, not just as your ticket out of hell, but as the one whose authority you come under as your Savior and Lord, do that today. Don't let a barrier of broken people keep you from the arms of your Savior. And for those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus, you have identified with the death that he died for you. You have been welcomed into his family by his blood. And you have been called to live a purpose greater than any purpose that you could ever find outside of his word that he has given to you. We have to ask ourselves the question. Are our eyes fixated 
on that which he has called us to love about his church? Or have we substituted it for lesser things? Because disagreements about anything, they're going to come. And it's not just going to be this one, it's going to be another one. It's going to be a bigger thing, a longer mask, a full body mask. It's coming to a September near you. (laughs) We laugh so we don't cry. Um, There are no shortage of things that are here to divide us. And if we place our eyes on what divides, it surely will. But if we place our eyes on a Savior who loved us despite who we were, despite who we are, despite the lies that we live, if we place our eyes on the reality of the gospel and the fact that none of us belong here, none of us belong in these seats but for the grace of God, that is the first step to pressing into our community with purpose, the purpose he has called us to, the love that he has called us to. And that is what is going to impact this world that is on fire out there. Because we need to be a people who are united under the truth of the gospel, united under the love that Christ has for us, and united under the love that we are now able to have for one another. And when we do that, guys, the church can make noise. The church can be louder than that out there. But we need to focus on what is true. On our true identity, the true community that we have because of it, and the true purpose that we have. Is that where your eyes are today? Or is it on lesser things? And if it is, there's grace. Let's get in our knees before our Savior and confess our need for Him and reset our focus on what is true. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that my life, because of your grace, is rooted in you. That my identity as a man is not rooted in my abilities as a man, but is rooted in the perfection of who you are and what you've done for us. And I thank you for this community of believers. I thank you for this local body of believers, people who you have called by name, by grace, people who you have awakened to the realities of the unseen and to your love. God, would we love each other with your love? Would you be glorified in the love that we have for one another and the preference that we show to one another in the way that we seek above all else to not prefer our own opinions or desires or to not prefer our own wants or felt needs, but rather, God, that we would look to the brothers and sisters that you have put around us. And just as you crawled on your knees and washed the feet of your disciples, may we lead with the heart of a servant. Others first, others focused. And God, may you take us May you take the love that is in this place and bust it out of these doors and break down the strongholds of our enemy in this world for your glory and your honor. May you set this world on fire with the hope of your gospel starting here at Harbor Shores. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.